Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. She's a compilation of all my friends and myself, and so... Just those parts of your friends that you you wish you could have your best friend be more confident. You wish you could just kind of have them see themselves the way you see them. And I feel like that's Renee. You know, she she doesn't know the potential she's working with. Well, that was Amy Schumer talking about her new movie that opens this week, I Feel Pretty. And I'm Neil Rosen. And this is Sitting Around Talking Movies podcast, and I'm joined, as always, by Bill Brigoli. I feel tired. <laughs> yeah, I feel tired, too. And Bill McCuddy. I'm not bragging, but I feel prettier than these two. <laughs> well, there you go. And uh, we're going to talk about a bunch of things today. Uh, one- Tribeca Film Festival. You've been there all week like a cub reporter. Yeah. There must be free food. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of food. There's First of all, there's the Nespresso Lounge, and you can get free coffee and cappuccino. And Andy Garcia actually serves it to you, right? <laughs> no, it's George Clooney. George Clooney. No, they couldn't get Clooney. It was where and, I was going with that joke. Um, yeah, they pass around a lot of food. See, the point was drinks, Andy Garcia so. doesn't work much but, and actually probably could have been there, but... <laughs> I did the opening night red carpet for um, a movie called Love Gilda, which is a documentary on the late beloved comedian um, Gilda Radner. And uh, basically, she uh, she kept a diary uh, of uh, throughout her life. So this is Gilda in her own words with her reflections. Uh, it's not just clips of her on Saturday Night Live doing Rosanna, 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 Dana, and... Uh, Lisa Lupner and Judy Miller and all the other characters that she did, but um, it's really uh, about her battle with cancer, and but it's really her thoughts during those particular times, like when she was rising to fame. Um, well, this this intrigues me because I haven't seen it. I hear it's great, but uh, it sounds a lot like The Shandling Doc. I mean, the the shorter the inroad. I mean, the using Shandling the, Doc was four and a half hours. Right. This is like ninety minutes, you know. Uh, and a lot of the Saturday Night Live people are on it, but missing in action, I heard is Jane Curtin and a couple of others, right? That yes, um, but they are a, there are a lot of SNL people. Well, what's interesting is is you see her rise um, and her thoughts on her rise. I mean, she talks about the fact that she was. You know, not famous, doing sketch comedy, and not nobody really knew who she was. And then overnight, she was like everybody knew who she was. And then she talks about the fact that after Saturday Night Live, after a number of years, like most, she wasn't that recognized anymore. People didn't really know who she was. So it's kind of a traje- trajectory of, you know, not being famous, being famous. And not did being she famous. want a movie career after Saturday Night Live? Because she didn't really have one. She no, did those she, haunted she, honeymoon things with Gene Wilder, as I well, recall. Well, she was married to Gene Wilder. I, and I spoke they made to, a couple of things, right? 
Yeah, but she, you know, she did, um, which a lot of people talked about on the red carpet, was after she did Saturday Night Live, she did a one-woman, well, they're calling it a one-woman show on Broadway, although the actor uh, who played Father Guido, I saw that play, the, the, the actor who played Father Guido. Don Novello. Don Novello, Don Novello Sarducci, yeah. who was also uh, a writer on the show, he, he came out as Father Guido Sarducci for a little bit, and there were other little bits here and there. But that show was basically her doing some of her most famous sketches. Is there any set. footage from that show in the doc? Um, there is some footage, I believe, if I remember, my recollection serves me, of that, of that documentary, of that show, the Broadway show, which now is, um, gee, that, that show's about 35, it's hard to believe it's about 30, the show is like 1980, so 30, 38 years old. Which is yeah. pretty, pretty nice. She died Saturday in Saturday Night Live's forty one years. Yeah, she died in, in nineteen eighty nine. And she as I said, she was married to Gene Wilder. Her nephew I spoke to her nephew on the red carpet actually. Um, Gene Gene Wilder's nephew. So actually. you really drew the A list. Well, no, I spoke to Billy Crystal. <laughs> uh, I, first of all I spoke to Robert De Niro, who said that um, you know, during the early he there was always an SNL fan, even like when it first went on the air. And his career was, you know, really, I mean, this is what, 75 was, De Niro was making those really A-list De Niro films, like, you know, <laughs> Raging Bull and stuff. But he was always watching Saturday Night Live. He met Gilda once. He didn't really know her that well. But I talked to Billy Crystal about the fact that he got bumped from the first Saturday Night Live show that ever went on the air, the one that was hosted by George Carlin. And, um, and that she... Uh, that's when he met Gilda Radner and that they became friends after that. I also spoke to Chevy Chase, who was really a horrible interview on the red carpet. <laughs> I wish to I not, could act surprised. To not just me, but like everybody that was like covering that red carpet. I mean, everybody else, you'd ask a question and they would be like, you know, they would, they would answer the question. Tell me about, you know, if you, if you worked, you know, I spoke to Lorraine Newman, one of the original cast members. I talked talk to talked to Paul Schaefer, who was the band leader on Saturday Night Live. Everybody's talking about recollections about Gilda, working with Gilda, people that didn't work with Gilda, talking like I talked to Keegan-Michael Key, and he talked about as a little kid he would watch Saturday Night Live and how he loved Gilda Radner and who his favorite character was. And everybody was forthcoming with information and stories about the Tribeca Film Festival and Gilda Radner. And Chevy Chase was just kind of like a dick. I mean, he was just not really talking. <laughs> you know, you'd ask him a question, he goes, oh, well, I don't know. I don't know. You you tell me. You tell me why uh, what it was like working with Gilda Radner. Well, okay. I mean, he, he was just like being an asshole to like everybody on the red carpet. You know? Well, congratulations. Like, why even do the red carpet if you're gonna just be that way, really? But uh, and Billy Crystal gave you a little news. Billy Crystal. I asked Billy Crystal. I told him uh, first of all, he started talking about when Harry met Sally. Um, that they, the red carpet was done at the Beacon Theater, which if you don't live in New York, or even if you do it and you don't know where it is, it's on 75th Street in Amsterdam. And he was talking about how it was nice to be a few blocks from where they shot when, some scenes from When Harry Met Sally. You were back at the Beacon, I guess, is the point of that story, right? You were, where was the, where was the red carpet? The red carpet was in, the, the movie was shown at the Beacon Theater. And right. The red carpet was outside the Beacon. Right, so he and was Billy back. Crystal was talking about the fact that I guess they... I guess some of those Upper West Side street scenes were filmed probably right there. Got Maybe it. when the when the wagon wheel rolled down the stairs in that 
famous scene, you know. I guess that was done a couple of blocks in there. Although the scene shot in Central Park, you could go the other way. It was probably a few blocks in the other direction. But um, I said, you know, I'm a big fan of not only that movie, but Mr. Saturday Night, but Mr. Saturday Night, the movie Mr. Saturday Night. Really? You like that? Because you've it. never brought it up before. <laughs> and I said, I heard or read that there's this rumor that you're going to be, there's going to be a Broadway version, a musical Broadway version of Mr. Saturday Night. And he said, it's absolutely true. He's in the midst of writing it right now. And I said, are you going to be in it? And he goes, probably. So uh, I don't know how he would do the, you, I, I could easily see him doing the old, Buddy Young Jr., which is the Borscht Belt stand-up comedian. But, you know, if you remember that movie, um, it's also when he first starts out. You know, not when he's the little kid, but, you know, when he first starts out. Well, it would clearly be two people. You know? And what I think they'd do is probably, if I had to guess, I would guess that Crystal would kind of narrate it like our town, like the stage manager, and kind of bookend the show. Maybe open and close it and come out at the uh, intermission and go, go eat something. You're hungry. Come back in 10 minutes. There's a lot of scenes where, uh, if you remember the movie, where he's working. I think most of us are trying to forget it. The Catskill Mountains and the Borscht Belt Circuit. And yeah, he's like a 20-something guy, you know, up and coming. I mean, this is before the days of the comedy clubs. That's where the you cut your teeth in stand-up comedy was in the Borscht Belt Circuit. And all these, you know... There's a tumbler. Mountain hotels, you know, the Grossingers, the Concord, uh, the Kutchers, you know, the, the Stevensville. So anyway, so there was those, there's, there's those scenes. Then there's the scenes when he makes it, and he's it's the mid-1950s, and he's like on these um, early... Uh, you know, television shows, these musical variety shows that he's hosting, and they have the dancing cigarette box. Do you remember? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I don't, I think he's a little old to play that, but I think you're right, Bill, that, uh, right, you'd get, you'd get a younger person to play yeah. it, and he'd narrate it, and then, and then Buddy Young Jr. And that'll be the hook, too. Like, Billy will discover this young Billy Crystal, and they'll do shows together you know they'll do they'll do media together and uh don't get me started i taught him everything he knows you know i don't know why i'm doing jerry lewis but anyway speaking uh, about stand-up comedy uh i almost brought this to bill mccuddy today showtime sent me the first two episodes of this series that i absolutely hate that bill mccuddy likes and i can't believe they're doing a second season of it well i don't love it but i'm I'm it's like a train rock train wreck it's called i'm dying up here and it's produced by jim carrey and it is a... Um, You're not doing me any favors, because if you go to the Showtime press room, the first four episodes have been up for like oh, okay. six weeks. So <laughs> okay. I saw them all. Well, apparently in this season, it's not all... the fir- Where the first season was all about making it out of these this comedy club, which is supposed to be the comedy store in L.A., and Mitzi, uh, Mitzi Shore... Mitzi Shore, who, who just passed who away. Just passed away. Melissa Leo plays a Mitzi Shore-type character who discovered all these comics, like David Letterman and Jim Carrey and Jay Leno and um, the second so it's all about getting that these comics getting that one spot on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson apparently and you could tell me what what it's about the second season but the second season is about these people have made it on Carson it's now it's dealing with agents and fame and authors. it's also there's a big this is giving nothing away uh, everyone dies no there's uh, this is giving nothing away there's a uh, competing comedy club that's moving in and wants to actually pay the comics and is trying to raid Mitzi and she teams up with my buddy Brad Garrett who I wrote for a long time ago and uh, he's a famous Vegas comedian like a Freddie Roman or like you know one of the big swinging dicks in the strip and uh, they're going to maybe get together and do their own thing 
and fight this Vegas movement. Well, I hate By the way, quick Mitzi Shore story. I go there. I get a spot thanks to somebody. I can't remember. Uh, another comic got me a spot. Mitzi's in the back of the room. At the place is packed. I got like a great like 930 or quarter to 10 spot. I get up and I'm not kidding. I absolutely kill. I know I'd, I'd, I know was it's it the me. main room because they had like three rooms there, Bill. It wasn't the basement. It was I think it was called the belly laugh room or something. It was to the side, but it was that night. That, it's that where yeah. it's where everybody was. And uh I I killed. I'm not. I'm. I'm no, not I exaggerating. You, I know you've bombed. You've I, I've, I've you've bombed. I've killed. I would tell you whether I did well or not. She was sitting at the back of the room. I get all this ovation. I get down. I walk up to her and I go. So Mitzi, can I get another spot here? She never looks up. She's staring at her lineup and looking at the next comic. And she crosses me off and says, "You don't live here." What kind of bullshit Boom. is that? Boom. You don't live here. And I was I didn't live there. I was living on the East Coast. Oh, is that what she meant? But I, yeah, yeah. You, oh, I thought oh, she no. meant like, like this is not your, the comedy store will not be your home. I oh, think that maybe that is what she meant. That's, that's a, wow. Oh, no, I, she, I she knew I was from D.C. and she knew I, know. I, I would only come out. Because there were a lot of, Jerry, well, Jerry Seinfeld. The guys who were regulars the there. That, I mean, the biggest guy in stand-up comedy, and Mitzi wouldn't pass her and let her play the comedy store. And apparently Jerry Seinfeld talks about the fact that that inspired him to work even harder. So when he was in L.A., he would work Bud Friedman's impro- The Improv. Right. And he'd work other clubs, The Laugh Factory and other clubs. Well, I guess I was supposed to be inspired to move there and live above it uh, like they do on the show I'm Dying Up Here uh, in an apartment out back. But I didn't. And How so- did she know that you didn't live there? It was told to her by the guy. I think the, the the guy who ran the ice house in Pasadena, where I was a semi-regular, said, this guy comes out to Los Angeles a lot. He's really good. You got to put him up. And she said, OK, for one reason or another. And uh, what if you lied to her? And what if you said, but I do live here. I'm moving here next week. Or did, well, what if you just bullshitted and said that? And then she would have said, no, I meant you don't live here. <laughs> Metaphorically. Uh, Bill Bergoli. Sorry. But yes. anyway, rest in peace. Yeah, uh, Polly Shore, her brilliant son. Before we get to this uh, television show, I want Bill Bergoli to talk about. Uh, did it, does, I know you didn't, weren't that fond of the first season. Is it better the second season? I'm dying up here. It's a little bit. I mean, it's starting to get into television. You know, these these comics are becoming more famous and they're moving into big mansions, which was kind of one of the guys who was living in a closet in the first season. He was gay. It's no, he's like actually you don't remember the guys that were sharing a closet in one apartment. They, they were, no, I dumped out of that show. After okay, like well, anyway, minutes, I couldn't handle it. it he, gets a, he gets a he gets a shticky role on a sitcom and starts making crazy money. And moves into like what becomes like the comedian's palace. Everybody goes to his house and they party. Yeah, that's so like Jay that's Leno. That's getting a little more interesting. Yeah, yeah, but Jay Leno was working all the time when he had comics over. Yeah, right. Well, apparently Jay Leno, the story is, I read this in some book, is that he would have comics over and they all hadn't made it yet. And they would watch television and they would just goof on things like... Uh, what was that guy with the puppets? Madam and something. Whalen Flowers. Whalen Flowers and Madam. Yeah. Right. They would watch like shitty TV and just make scathing, biting, sarcastic. That sounds fun. That sounds. Stuff. And I mean, like if, mystery you, if you theater. remember Whalen F- Flowers and Madam, you really could make fun of that easily. You know? Sure. And all the other shit that was on TV. I mean, you, I mean, there was a lot of shit on TV. And apparently they'd go over there and they would just basically like uh, have a bitch fest. I don't know how Jay Leno has a wife. Uh, because Davis. 
Mavis, uh, such a working household. I mean, it, literally, uh, when he was doing The Tonight Show, yeah. they all would go to his house afterwards and start writing the next day. Oh, really? And they'd all hang there. And he hosted The Tonight Show for, so the... for 20 years. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I don't have insight into their relationship, but nonetheless. <laughs> so, Pity. Bill Regola, you've been watching something on uh, TV these days. That's right. BBC America has a program called Killing Eve, and it stars Sandra Oh, who remember years ago we all thought was going to do big things after Sideways and kind of got well, after She did Grey's Anatomy for many, many Yeah, years. she did that. And she and married Alexander Payne for a while, didn't divorced she? Divorced him. Yes, <laughs> and she's a Canadian. And uh, it also stars... Does George she scream O? Oh, 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 during sex? No, that I would be my know. question. According to somebody I know that worked with her, she's... I, well, let me not say... I, I don't want to spread on stage. <laughs> no, go ahead. Apparently, There's eight she, people listening, Neil. Apparently, she was not the most easy person to work with, but who knows? Yeah, go on. No, well, anyway. Uh, her, her character is a woman named Eve, thus the killing Eve, and she works for... She worked for MI5, which is Britain's equivalent of the FBI, got fired... And was taken on by somebody who works for MI6, which is Britain's equivalent of the CIA. They're hunting an international killer, uh, a hired killer. You could call her a seri serial killer. Her name, her character's name is Villanelle, which is, uh, and the book and the series is based on a, a book called the, called uh, a series of books called Villanelle. She's played by Jodie Comer, and the interesting thing is the way Jodie Comer plays her, is a woman who enjoys killing is told to kill, doesn't ask why, just likes killing people. And at one point, a psychiatrist asked her, well, when this guy was dying and taking a long time dying, how did you feel? She said, impatient. <laughs> so so a, a, a hit person that relishes their job is something that we sort of, that feels fresh to me. I mean, I, I haven't seen that. Yeah. I've seen serial killers movies about them that enjoy yeah the idea is uh, sewing some skin together and and, and blah, <laughs> right. blah 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 but i but this is uh like a happy she's a happy killer she's <laughs> happy a, person. a happy sexy killer uh the, the idea is that you're supposed to actually root for her at times and then get grossed up by her and, and does she seduce any of her uh she does not people she kills she does seduce people I uh, want a good coitus interruptus. Uh, yeah, that, that may come. A bang with a bang. Yeah, that, is it, is that it may it happen. A, I'm only two episodes in. But it's, it's on BBC America. Is it a UK-based series? With, yes, it is. So they all have and, and part of the reason the they... British, British actors, British accents. Britain, a lot of British actors, European actors. And supposedly the reason they hired Sandra Oh is they thought it was getting too European. And they wanted her character... Uh, the idea behind her character is that she's British, but she grew up in Connecticut. To explain her American accident. And is extremely hard to work with, according to Neil Rosen. I saw that's something I heard. That's something I heard. <laughs> but it's well, interesting. And, what and made, it's worth what made you pick that particular show? I like British TV shows. What's the one with the... With the um, State of Play, I, I I'm going to say. This is BBC America. Best I think thing BBC is, America ever did. Where the, where the actress plays like 15, 20 different Black roles. Black Orchid. Black Orchid. Is that BBC America? Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. did that end, did that series end, or did the season just I have no idea. I, yeah, I don't know. the series either. ended, but you never watched Black Orchid. No, My I wife watch No, I hear that's amazing. I hear she's great. In that. Yes. The I think the, I think. Ms. Lonnie the, or something, what's her? Well, but I think the conceit of the show is, and people can yell at me if I'm wrong, is that there are a bunch of Black Orchids. Like, she's uh, a clone. So yes, she's. Yes. Yeah, so yes. she plays with herself. Yeah, apparently, she's like. She's like Matthew Reese, but times 20. Right. Matthew Reese plays like 20 characters on The Americans, and he's great. 
And, and or the guy the, in the sunglasses in all the uh, with Neo in in all the right, Matrix she movies. Plays like a hundred different versions of this Black Orchid clone thing, and they're all very different. And apparently, she's tremendous in this, you know. And uh, so I don't know. So well, speaking of things we haven't seen, we should circle back and just talk about. I, I, I want to frame it this way. Um, do you think? Amy Schumer's in trouble. Well, because she's made three well, clunkers really made, now. The, the reason we're not talking, well, we will talk a little bit now about the new Amy Schumer movie, I Feel Pretty, but the reason we're not reviewing it is they didn't exactly make it very available for critics to watch with many screening options and choices. So that was very, that'll give you an indication right there that. And it's distributed by a not very big company, STX Entertainment. She did a lot of. Publicity. Not right? universal. I mean, she was, Did she, a lot of publicity, but she, it, she almost had to do a little uh, damage control because when it first came out, the trailer, women were offended that suddenly, because this woman is she's knocked, knocked on the unconscious head, right? and she thinks that she and thinks she's mother. gorgeous, they thought it was fat shaming in a weird way, which I didn't quite follow. But uh, the the problem, and it's running about 20% on Rotten Tomatoes for the few critics that have seen it, Wow! Um, is that it wants its cake and eat it, too. It's, it's not harsh the way... You know, this reminds me a lot of Shallow Hal and how he only saw Gwyneth Paltrow as beautiful, even though she weighed like 400 pounds. Shallow Hal is such a great movie. I mean, it's a Farrelly Brothers comedy, but it's also got a heart because if you remember the movie... I mean, he sees her as the beautiful Gwyneth Paltrow, and then yeah, Gwyneth Paltrow. When you, the rest of the world sees her, yeah, she's she's in this fat suit, like you said, like it's a four hundred, and you know, it's just great. She. I wonder she if they'd make that McDonald's movie today. She breaks the chair. She, Would they make that movie today? I don't know. You know, but she very famously walked out into the into like public with right. that fat suit on and was talking about how. She got stared at and hissed and like it was. It, it's such it a, made great a lot of movie in the sense that you know they're the you know she, he's seeing her as this beautiful Gwyneth Paltrow and other people were just looking go like man can't believe you're with this dog and he going like yeah I'm a so dog. that's basically the conceit here I mean that's basically what Amy Schumer's doing she's walking around thinking she's beautiful but you see the thing in, the, the the thing that's great about shallow how in terms of why they wouldn't be fat shaming is because Jack Black's character who plays Hal comes to the realization at the end that he loves her and he doesn't and that looks are superficial and he doesn't care what well don't kid yourself we haven't seen this movie but it's got some kind of a make everybody smile okay. kind of happy ending here too and that's that's now that's why I bring it up this many years later that ending feels false to critics whereas shallow hell as you point out was kind of sweet when they did it that time when he when he gets dehypnotized by Tony Robbins Jason <laughs> Alexander and he doesn't care what he looks like and he runs into the house where she is and he starts kissing the maid thinking the maid is what happened to the Farrelly brothers that's roadmap. another hour What's that? that's a, what happened to the Farrelly brothers yeah, that's, that's another true. hour man did they just fall off a cliff well they did a lot of bombs I mean they did the Three Stooges remake that didn't go anywhere I mean it's their last well, which leads it's going to lead me into Amy Schumer in a second. Their last four or five movies did not, not only did not reach the level of success of There's Something About Mary, which is the pinnacle of their financial box office success, but, you know, they just made a lot of movies that just tanked. So Amy Schumer, to go back to your point, Bill McCuddy, you know, 
did very well with Trainwreck, and then every movie that she's done subsequently just hasn't really done well. Right. It seems to be another. It seems to be progressively worse in the in the in the catalog of Amy Schumer movies that are following Trainwreck. I, I wonder said, if she's going to go back to maybe supporting roles and being the best friend again. Well, what was she, before she got the starring thing in Trainwreck with Judd Apatow? She was on TV. No, did, right? She had that show which won Emmys. And yeah, yeah, ins- and had better material than the movies have. That's the problem. Yeah, I, yeah. I want to say that I think well, she was inspired. Over, I'm sorry, career, what? When you're saying, is it over for her? No. You're talking about her lead, leading woman in a movie career being well, over? Well, we'll see. What, we'll see at the end of this weekend. But it doesn't feel like she's going to open this, and it doesn't feel like it's going to be huge. Maybe, maybe it's critic proof. But um, my question is, if this is a bomb, and it looks like it may be. Uh, you know, will she have difficulty? As Bill points out, will she turn out to be the best friend in a more famous well, person's movies aren't movie? really the be all end all. I mean, let's face it. I was in the movie Top Five, and I think it's a not because I was in it, but it's a really? great movie. What's that you, done for your you're career? You're tying this into but no, that. But it, no, it didn't do well. And Chris Rock movies generally don't do well. But you know, so does Rock blame you because the rest of us do? Is Chris Rock playing me? Blame you? Oh, blame me. Yes, it's all my fault. But. But the point is, is that Chris Rock still has a thriving career, you know, doing stand-up. I mean, he has a Netflix special. No, of course. She's she's making fun. She's doing great. She's doing great. Right. So I'm saying if if her movie career does not continue to... uh, be have starring vehicles. I mean, she'll still have these stand up. You don't want to fail at anything. You want one to feed the other rather than very gifted stand up, you know, comedian. So, I mean, she'll still be doing that. She just got married after knowing a guy for three weeks. So now she's got new material like like a real new material. Yeah. Whirlwind romance. Yeah. And she fired apparently her uh, publicist on page six. She fired a publicist. Must be true. Because the guy used to date her according to her. uh, her ex, her now her husband or something. I I don't know if that's true, but uh, who knows? But uh, you don't know if anything's true. But what do you think? Do you think You're like a lawyer doing the show every day now. <laughs> what do you think, Bill Bergoglio? I what I said before. She'll probably end up going back to being the best friend, which would be fine. I'd like to see her kind of revive her TV. Her TV show. Well, TV Comedy show. Central would give her that show again in a second. She walked away from it, not the other way. And yeah. and I think uh, you know she's. She thought she was. She had a movie career. She had a. She did a Broadway show that wasn't so great. It was okay. It was. For I Steve, saw that show. Steve Martin. Uh, and it was fine. It was written by Steve Martin, and it also starred uh, who I spoke to on the red carpet the other night, Keegan Michael Key, and uh, Lauren Benati, who's a brilliantly talented Broadway actress, and I believe has won a couple of Tonys, but uh, she's in it. But the, the material just wasn't really quite there. You saw that other Steve Martin play that I saw, didn't you? The one with uh, the musical one? with the No, one? I didn't see uh, that. That was kind of good. Did Bright Star? Or no, I st- actually, years ago, I saw uh, Steve Martin play yeah, in the Cambridge, Long Massachusetts, and it was called Picasso at the yeah, Lapin. Yeah, I saw, I saw that in Chicago where it premiered at the Steppenwolf because there were no tickets available, and I promise you get to finish your story, but this is yeah. so. Um, there were no tickets available, so I said, can I usher? And they said, yes. And I ushered with Steve Martin because he was he thought it was funny to take people to their seats, and he so he oh, and I were the wow. ushers. Well, it's yeah. cool with my story. My story was when, when we got there, we were told that an understudy was playing the lead and he would have a script in hand. So oh. I was watching a guy read a script. How, wow. how, how was that? It wasn't all that affecting. Well, I, I thought the play was great when well, I saw it. it. It's play, been revived it, a lot. It's I considered his it was, best. It was still working out the box. What is it about? 
Billy. God, I don't even remember. Yeah. I saw it 35 years ago or whatever. Because this recent Steve Martin play, who I can't even remember the title of it, I saw it two months ago with the one with Amy Schumer, um, just doesn't work at all. I mean, it's about two different couples, and I don't know, and, and they meet, and they just fight with each other and it's just it's just so she didn't light up broadway she had a difficult she's having difficulty at uh the box office uh we think maybe we'll be wrong on monday do you know that amy schumer was after john stewart left the daily show that uh yeah she was on that short list she was offered the show and she turned it down for one they offered her to do the Mm -hmm. show for one year and they offered her a lot of money that was when chelsea was still on too and she thought it was a little uh crowded that that what happened to chelsea handler's career netflix yeah. Listen, yeah, don't feel bad for gone. these people. They go away from traditional outlets and she's they make more money. They I know. I think she's I think she's still doing no, those. They canceled, they canceled the they show. They canceled one show that she had, but I think she's still doing specials. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I believe that's I true. Is Netflix, Speaking of Netflix comedy specials, did anybody see the uh, Seth Rogen thing, Charity for Hilarity? No. no Hilarity my for daughter Charity. watched it and <laughs> said to, I was I, I was going to watch it. And she said, don't bother. <laughs> yeah, I want to say that even with people like Michael Che doing and I wanted to see Michael Che do stand up. He was OK. Uh, who's the guy that just hosted this weekend and was so funny? Um, John Mulaney, Mulaney. My daughter said he was the best thing. on. Well, he was much funnier on Saturday Night Live than he was on this special. Seth was funny. Nick Stoller was kind of funny. But um, it, they I'll tell you, the problem was uh, and I don't know if your daughter would agree because it would have seemed funnier if you could hear the audience laughing, but they did it in a kind of a tight kind of ballroom kind yeah. of a setting instead of a comedy club setting. And Sarah Silverman did okay. And I know she's funnier than that. And the room wasn't mic'd, so you couldn't hear the room yeah. laughing. It was almost like the correspondence dinner uh, in Washington, which is the worst room in the world to do comedy in. Have you, they ever, do anyway. have you ever been in that room? I have. I've attended uh, several of those when I was at Fox. And it's. I feel badly for the people on the stage. Michelle Wolf is doing it this year, um, and who's now getting her own talk show. Uh, she's doing the White House Correspondents' Dinner. And Michelle Wolf uh, will also not have the pleasure of having Donald Trump to roast, but Sarah Huckabee Sanders will be there. So I hope they just focus all the, all the. I can't imagine anything mean or funny you could say about Sarah Huckabee Sanders. You could do a whole hour on Sarah Huckabee Sanders. <laughs> well, I think they're going to. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, and I really loved when you said blah blah blah. You know, Trump said you could have a great. That almost writes itself. You know what I mean? So when is the White House correspondence? Day? No idea. No, coming up. I Check your local listings. I think it's coming up. I think it's coming it's up. It's the only time C-SPAN gets any kind of written numbers. I know that. So you, you were saying you were saying about this, uh, you were saying something about Netflix, Bill. Oh, yeah. Well, I just, I did. You the, had the, to I, add the Seth Rogen special has a lot of people on it. It's not that great. We had a long conversation yes, about I it. Know. I, I, I was Come there. back to the light, Grandpa. So last The doctor night, says it's time for so your medicine. invited to a lot of these Tribeca films. Yes, regale us with uh, your hobnobbing. After parties. So last night... Um, there was a movie called Stockholm, which is Dog Day Afternoonish. Um, this is how they describe it in the um, in the program, but it's basically where they got the phrase the Stockholm syndrome, and it's about a bank robbery in Stockholm, Sweden, where the hostages um, realized that this guy wouldn't hurt a fly. Certainly not them, you know what I mean? And they conspired to help this guy escape, and they were rooting for this guy. And this is where the 
All right. the, the phrase Stockholm Syndrome came from. And it's supposed to be funny and like Dog Day Afternoon is kind of funny. You know what I mean? It's com- it is a comedy in, in many ways. And um, Ethan Hawke stars. And at the after party, I was talking to Ethan Hawke and telling him we shut up. We talked. We taped a talk. Used to be called. You sure it wasn't his stunt double? Used to be called Talking Pictures. Now it's called Talking Movies. Bill McCutty, myself, and Lisa Rosman taped two episodes, and I said that uh, we were raving about looking forward to this movie that you're doing called First Reformed. And he went for ten minutes, literally. He just said, "Listen, I've done a lot of movies, and some of them really are terrible, and some of them I think are really good. And I'm telling you, I think this movie First Reformed." And he's at the Stockholm uh, after party. He's not even talking about Stockholm. All he's talking about is this movie First Reformed that he stars as a pre. And it was written and directed by Paul Schrader, who... Uh, Affliction, Taxi Driver. He really wrote Taxi Driver. He wrote Raising, Raging Bull. He wrote and directed Affliction. Um, and he was just saying that he thinks it's one of... He says, I think it's probably the best, if not one of the best, movies that he's ever done. He just That's all, what people are saying who've seen it. And he's raving. And he, and he kept going, you have to see the movie. You have to see the movie. So I told him, listen, we just taped a summer preview show for Talking Movies, my roundtable critic show. And I, I mentioned you, Bill, and I mentioned Lisa. And I Did said he sneer? They, he usually sneers. What's that? Did he sneer when you said my no, name? No, but he I said sneers. that they were, we, it was one of the ones that we were most looking forward to seeing. He goes, you have to see the movie. Then we got into a whole talk about this movie that I really love that came out many years ago. I'm on the, I'm quoted, I'm the only person quoted on the DVD box called Gattaca. And it's with Jude Law and Ethan Hawke. And um, Gore, I think Gore Vidal is in it. But it's this futurist. And, he, and I love the movie. I saw the movie. It blew me away. It was great. He goes, nobody got that movie when it came out. Nobody understood it. Edward James it. almost is in that, too, isn't he? Yeah, I think he is. And it just yeah. tanked. And uh, didn't he tank. goes, and now. And that's where he went. That's where he met Uma, right? Yes. But now, uh, apparently, it's become a real cult classic. He and goes, Billy Crystal is writing a musical about goes, it. People keep coming up to him and they want him to sign Gattaca posters. He goes, I ran into Bill Clinton. All he wanted to talk to talk about was Gattaca. So I said. Was it really that big a bomb? No, it just didn't really go anywhere. And now yeah. it's become like one of these things that it's kind of like, you know, like fam, family guy got canceled. Nobody. And then all of a sudden it, it became it came back. And it, so what, maybe that's not the greatest example, but it, it's now a cult favorite. And uh, Neil, my, I'm concerned about one thing. Did anyone else at the party get to talk to Ethan Hawke? Everybody was talking to okay. Ethan Hawke. But, uh, <laughs> it was a long party. But uh, yeah, it was a long party. But uh, th- there's many of these Tribeca things. Head down to the Tribeca Film Festival. It, it runs till I believe April 28th or 29th. There's a lot of stuff there. I sent everybody a short film. Uh, I was speaking to the director of this movie called Wendy's Shabbat. Did anybody watch it? It was 10 minutes. I no. it a 10-minute oh, film. Uh, yeah, this was a, you know, there's not really, a, there was never really a market for short movies. Now, um, with Netflix and Amazon Prime and Hulu and YouTube, there's actually, you could watch them. But this is kind of a bizarre little movie about uh, uh, her 80s, this woman. Sounds Jewy. Yeah, it's a documentary about this woman who talks about her grandmother, who uh, is 87 and goes to Wendy's and has a Shabbat for Friday night dinner with about 15 other senior citizens every week, and they order, like, cheeseburgers and 
frosty milkshakes and french fries and stuff and can they have that yeah the, the wendy's in california is kosher it. They, they they put the candles up and they they they, they do the uh, prayers right. over the serve the bun and the hamburger separately yeah. on different plates <laughs> no they, it's not a kosher <laughs> service but uh, Nonetheless, there's many things at Tribeca coming up, and uh, well, I think those the, movies at Tribeca are going to be Broderick seen. Last night at oh, the party. okay. Yeah, <laughs> again, Bill, again, Bill again. wasn't talking. <laughs> no, is anybody ever going to see anybody out there in the great beyond, beyond the three square miles of New York that surround the Tribeca Film Festival? Is anyone else ever going to see any of these movies? That's the thing with Tribeca. You know, they have hundreds of movies, and. Not like like maybe how many percentage Bill Bergoli would you think are released? Zero point five. Yeah, not many. I mean, but the but Tribeca is not the premiere for a lot of places. It was last night for the what you saw the two nights ago the Love Gilda them. thing. Uh, CNN has bought the Gilda Radner uh, thing, okay. so you'll see it there. Um, but. It's it's really just a marketing tool to get it into other bigger festivals or to get some attention around them. Yeah, I mean, it's never been a it's never discovered anything great that I can think of. Now, if Jane Rosenthal were here, she'd probably disagree. But um, and that, in fact, Jane Rosenthal is calling Neil right now. You know, it's probably De Niro. De Niro (laughs) is dying to talk to you again. Um, So, look, the, the important thing is we talk about the ones we've seen. And if they get picked up, we'll remind you, you know, a year from now. I'll tell that, you how hard uh, it is to get picked up at, at, uh, at Tribeca. I saw a movie. How many women did you meet? A number, number of years ago called City Island with Andy Garcia. Yeah, I saw that movie. Yeah, I did, and, press, I did a press day for that movie. Emily Mortimer, right? Was it? Probably. Yeah. So um, I see the movie, and I really like the movie. You know, it's not the greatest movie, but it's kind of a pleasant movie, right? It was a family kind of movie. And uh, it was at Tribeca. And it took over a year for that movie to get picked up. And that's, that's what, what I'm saying. They go to other festivals few, after the Tribeca. Few movies that got picked up, and yeah. it had name cast in the thing, you know? But you don't know whether it got picked up there or when it went to, you know, Palm Springs or any of the other festivals. I don't know. You know, I speak, I sp- I speak to a lot of, like, aspiring filmmakers at Tribeca, and they're all very excited to be at Tribeca, and I don't want to break break their spirit by saying what you said Bill Bergoli is I know I'm evil and mean but it's true it's I mean these movies just kind of like Sarah Jessica Parker I was at a another there's all these party I went to a I didn't speak to her last night but I spoke to Matthew Broderick who was just kind of hanging around he's in some <laughs> that's my wife play at the Irish rep theater or something like that right now and uh, yeah I mean is that movie gonna go anywhere it's called uh, I think it's called Blue Night I mean, you know, these are. She's movies. dying, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's yes, a. It's that's, a that's, that's, that's not revealed. Parker's not dying. The character in the movie is dying. I mean, and there's these lots of films. Best thing she's done in the last five years is what? And Common is in the movie, too, you know? Common is in it. Wow. The best thing she's done in the last five years, Sarah Jessica Parker. I could, I, Comedians I, driving around getting coffee or whatever. Yeah, the Jerry the best, Seinfeld thing. Episode. Very, very funny episode. Yeah, that's very true. That's very, very true. Uh, remember, by the way, it's a painful memory for you, but when, you, when we were at Time Warner, <laughs> um, <laughs> they used to, I don't know if you remember this, in the New York area, they had a section called Tribeca and during the Tribeca Film Festival, they ran a lot of those movies. Do you remember that? They did it for like three years in a row, and then they stopped doing it for some well, reason. Well, what Bill McCuddy is trying to say, but I don't think was that um, 
that understandable. Yeah, because you so often have to translate for There's an on-demand section on Time Warner Cable, and they would have different categories like romance, comedy, new releases, uh, horror, blah, blah, blah. Thank you for so straightening they had it out. A, they category <laughs> called Tribeca, where you could see some of the films that were playing at Tribeca. But I think that had a lot to do with the fact that American Express, who used to be a huge sponsor for the Tribeca Film Festival, they, there was an enormous amount of coverage at New York One of the Tribeca Film Festival because New York One, which had a difficult time if you watch if you used to this I, again i don't know what's going on now but back in the day but you've been told you'd see the chi, you'd see the chia pet commercial and you'd see like if you've been injured and you know call the law firm of, i mean they weren't the most they weren't toyota mcdonald's or you know general electric commercials you know and american express spent like a ton of dough you know to promote the Tribeca Film Festival. So they were all over the Tribeca Film Festival. They would cover, like, every red carpet. They would send me down. They would send George Whipple down. And they would do, like, ton and they'd do, they'd do a special on it. So I think that had something to do with the fact that they were showing the Tribeca movies right. on that channel, is that American Express, you know, just put a lot of infused... I think the more interesting thing that's come out of this story is the uh, is that Neil Rosen is saying there was a payola or cash for uh, exchange, exchange <laughs> with... Uh, with American no, Express. I don't think payola. I mean, I think that's just the way advertising works, is they do an advertising right. lie. It's so, totally legitimate. I mean, you know, and. Uh, well, my point is, it was cool when like you a could. little American Express commercial. If you would rent one of those on demand movies, I bet you there was, I don't know for a fact, I bet you there was a little 30 second American Express. You might and they be right. Paid for it. They bought you might them. be right. So, who knows? Who knows? How are we doing on time, Bill Bergold? Oh, we're running around the 39-minute mark. I think for the people who are still here, it's time to put a bullet in this head. But uh, what, what's coming out next week? We got disobedience. We can talk about disobedience next week, or as some people are calling it, Jew is the warmest color. <laughs> I love that. I wonder if people remember Blue is the Warmest Color was a, a lesbian movie, which is part of the assembly required for that joke. But, but, uh, I know, but it's this a is, joke. We this has... Uh, has Who's in it? It's got Rachel Vice, Rachel on Rachel lesbian action. Rachel Vice is forty-eight and she's pregnant that's with Daniel right. Craig. Yeah, Congratulations, Mazel Tully. We can talk about. I think that, that's right. So Tully, I'm dying to see. These are on um, Charlize on Theron. Disobedience. It's a lesbian love story set in an Orthodox Jewish community in another London, one of those in London. Yeah, if you've seen one, you've seen them all. all right. But no, so we're going to talk about that. We'll talk Look, about Tully. Yeah, you should definitely see starring, that. Starring Charlize Theron. Who Ryan. had to set her, uh, this is the most obnoxious story of the week. So we'll close out with it. Okay, good. Uh, this they had to set her alarm at two in the morning to get up and eat more. So that she had, to, like cheeseburgers, so that she had, could gain 50 pounds for the part. Oh my God! They didn't put a fat, fat padding on her. She no, nope. no, nope. she, that's she's she. She's all real, no. And uh, Mackenzie she's Davis had a baby, so she's baby. She's still got her baby fat in the film. That's the idea. Very interesting. Jason Reitman, who I've always thought was great, up in the air. Thank you for not yeah. smoking. I really want this, but then he's had a couple of clunkers. Yeah. And uh, Mackenzie Davis plays the the uh, what do you call a night nurse? Night nanny. Is she a wet nurse, Bill? I think it's uh, thank no. you Sorry. for not smoking. Quite. Not thank you for not smoking. No, thank you for smoking. Is that what I said? Yeah. I all, by the way, if you want a video tip, if it's out there, speaking about Jim Carrey earlier, and I always think of this movie when I think of thank you for smoking because you'll see when no, I don't say the, title, the Philip Morris movie. I love you, Philip Morris. Oh my God, that's the gayest movie. It's the funniest movie. Ever. Oh my God, it's the craziest Jim gayest Carrey, movie. Jim Carrey, and it's not a. It's not a. Is it Win McGregor? 
writer? Who's his lover? Yeah, well, it's a true story about a guy that goes to... He's a con artist guy, and he um, keeps breaking Do you out watch it in slow-mo, Neil? Be honest. <laughs> it's very funny. I did that junket. I, I like that movie. So if you're looking for a Netflix or a... Very explicit, is DVD. all I'll say. Uncomfortably so. DVDs. My wife was reading me something the other day about eight things that aren't really around that much anymore. And one of them was... Were you on the list? <laughs> <laughs> one of them was uh, telephone answering machines. Right. And uh, what, But there's a whole list of stuff. And one of them was, uh, yeah, DVDs, you know. But they still sell DVDs. I don't know. I, I guess you got to buy them. I guess if you go to Blockbuster, there's a section. Yeah, they're on e- I got a bunch on eBay right now. Yeah, why would you buy a DVD, though? I mean, uh, you know. They're easy to play. And people, he means why would you amass a collection, yeah. and, which is wow. why streaming is so much more popular right now. I assume that's what you meant. Yeah. I often get what I say wrong, so why don't you correct me? That is what I meant. Okay, thank you. <laughs> All right. So Exciting. We're sending Neil back to the uh, red carpet. Yes, back to the Tribeca Film more Festival. Free more reports next week as well as uh, our reviews of Disobedience and Tully. More movies you'll never see from the Tribeca and Film Festival. And there's an Avengers movie coming out. There's the an Avengers movie coming movie. out on Monday. Yay. And I think that's going to make Pinch a shitload of money. Not just because it's Avengers, because everybody's so high in the Black Panther movie. And Chadwick Boseman reprises, reprises, reprises. He's in it again. Reprises his role in the movie, along with Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk and Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, and and I was Scarlett Johansson in it as Black Widow and all those things. And yes, so we've got that too. So anyway, for Bill Bregoli, yes, and Bill McCuddy, I'm here, and me, Neil Rosen. Thanks for sitting around talking movies with us. We'll sit around talking movies again with you next week.